This is a GRDC podcast. Globally, Australia has a strong reputation as a high-quality oat producer, a reputation that's set to be further bolstered by exciting progress in the plant breeding space. Hi there, I'm Hilary Sims. The National Oat Breeding Program has a proud history of delivering fit-for-purpose oat and grain and hay varieties to the Australian market. The program has recently entered a new era under the leadership of commercial breeding company Intergrain. Backed by a $5.4 million investment from AgriFutures Australia and GRDC over five years. Dr. Alan Ratty works for Intergrain as the National Oat Breeder. I caught up with him to find out more about this new approach and what it offers Australian growers. Here's Alan. Intergrain is the organisation that is partially owned by the West Australian Government and also the GRDC. We breed cereal varieties for Australia. So we breed wheat, barley and now we breed oats. The National Oat Breeding Program has been around for about 15 years combining the old West Australian Government program with the SARDI program in South Australia. There's been good success in the program delivering new varieties such as Bannister and Williams, Bilby and Matika that have had improvements for grain yield and also grain quality attributes like grain growth percentage and beta-glucan, which is an important health quality trait. In the hay side of the program, they've also had good success in releasing varieties like Mulgara and Korobop with improved yield and quality. Alan, a key focus for you is building on this success of the previous National Oat Breeding Program. What does the strategy for the program look like moving forward? The strategy that we're deploying in oat breeding will be similar to what we were doing in wheat and barley. So we're leveraging public research and the best available knowledge that there is, and we're deploying that in our breeding program. So there's a very famous breeding equation that every plant breeder knows and loves and and trots out on occasions. There's various quantitative genetic terms in that. What Intergrain are doing is making sure as a business where we're optimising every single component of that plant breeder equation simultaneously, which the outcome of all of that is improved genetic gain per dollar. With the, the reach that we have through trial service partnerships that grow trials and the scale we have from wheat and barley, the, the oat program have been able to leverage off that to get a, a basically a better price. So effectively, we've been able to double the size of the breeding program in a similar sort of budgetary framework and therefore improve the scale. What are the key traits that you're targeting through the breeding program for grain varieties? So in the grain space, the primary target's really around grain yield and then grain quality. So in the grain quality space, there's attributes like beta-glucan, there's also traits around fat content and growth percentage, which is basically how much grain there is inside the hull. Another key part of the grain breeding program really is around diseases. So in Western Australia, the septoria is quite dominant. That causes a lot of economic loss and currently is typically managed through spray, which is fungicides, which is not an ideal solution. And there's also oat crown rust or leaf rust is also a major problem in the East Coast that we're trying to deal with. And you guys really got underway with the program last year. What would you say were the key achievements for 2021? So the key achievements for 2021 really were realignment of the breeding goals to make sure they fit with the industry standards and also optimising our trial network to ensure that what was going on in the breeding program was correlated with what was going on in the real world. So last year we actually made sure that our sowing date was aligned to when the growers were sowing their fields. So in oat and grain we were typically sowing in mid to late April and in hay it was mid-May. So by 
really pushing the genetic potential and mimicking what the growers are doing. We should have a stronger genetic correlation between our trials and industry. So that's one of the key areas that we've really changed to make sure the breeding program is aligned with industry. Another key achievement of the oat breeding program this year has been to optimise our seed increase for commercialisation of new lines. One of the key steps of that is really increasing our use of summer nursery. So we've actually planted grain at our Horsham facility in Victoria in the summer. It's now been harvested and that will enable us to get the newest variety to the industry two to three years earlier than what the previous program was able to achieve. Certainly technology seems to be rapidly evolving in plant breeding. What does that two to three year difference mean for the overall oat breeding process? So there's actually more steps we've taken as an organisation across wheat, barley and oats. And again, oats were leveraging out of the bigger crops in the organisation. So we've now got a new facility that we're utilising. And again, this will enable us to go even faster in that commercial seed process. We anticipate that we will be launching new varieties after eight to nine years in the breeding process, whereas the previous program was more like 13 to 15. So again, genetic gain faster is what we're talking about to deliver to growers. And what are some of the new varieties the breeding program has in the pipeline? I'm sure it's a question everyone's always keen to know. So in the hay breeding program, we actually have a couple of new varieties that are coming out this year. So we have Kingbale and Archer, which are coming out with the IMI technology for hay only. And then there's also two lines we're commercialising out of the old SARDI program through AXGO, uh, who obviously export the hay they're called Wallaby and Coltar. Wallaby in particular is quite exciting, has good yield and quite high hay quality and good disease package. In the grain space, it's a little bit too early to put my hand on my heart and say I'm definitely going to be releasing something this spring, but I'm, I'm very confident about one line in particular, 13008-18. It's currently a couple of percent ahead of a key variety in the country called Bannister. It's also got a slight improvement for Septoria and it's also better for grain, grain size retention, so in other words, lower screenings and higher test weight on average. And back to the hero now, growers would have made their variety selection for 2022 some time ago, though what are you seeing play out across the country now? So in, in 2022, it is kind of status quo with the variety. So if you're growing grain, you probably want to be growing either Bannister or Williams if you're West Coast, and if you're East Coast, it's probably Bilby, probably with some Bannister as well, maybe some Yalara. They're the ones. If you're after a dual-purpose option, which is quite big in Western Australia, Carol Up is probably your variety of choice, but obviously you can also bale Williams and Bannister. In the hay space as a whole in East Coast and also West Coast, sort of Brusher, Mulgara are probably the key, and Winteroo are probably the three key varieties that stand alone as hay only. There is also a lot of dual purpose for varieties like Williams, Bannister and Yalara. There are new varieties coming, which is great, because one of the key messages that we need to understand is that it's very important to have genetic variety in your varieties that you grow as a farmer. The last thing we want to see is a pathotype change that actually completely decimates one variety. So there have been examples previously, and that's usually what happens is a major variety becomes quite dominant, and then there'll be a, a pathotype change, and it'll take out that variety, and all of a sudden there'll be significant industry loss. Alan, we've covered a lot of content so far. What excites you most about the program? So the exciting part about the program is that it actually has continued to deliver genetic gain using techniques that are now quite outdated, unfortunately. So once we start to speed up the breeding program, then we believe the genetic gain will ramp up quite rapidly. So some of these technologies we'll be deploying, for example, and again leveraging off the, the bigger wheat and barley breeding programs. So first cap off the rank will be in, in the hay program and it'll also have benefits in the grain program. 
will be our high-throughput phenomics, so the use of drones and, and those sort of technologies to, to understand uh, biomass, biomass change, uh, canopy temperature, which is related to water use efficiency, and those sort of attributes. The next thing that we're working on right now is genomics, so we want to build a genomic chip similar to what we've done in wheat and barley with our collaborators there, our partners at Ag Research in Victoria. And we'll do the same thing there. And once we obviously optimise the mechanics of our plant breeding program here, so another example was just simply packing of trials. So there was uh, something on Twitter recently that I put up where we were packing with a robot. Uh, that robot does uh, sort of three to 400 plots an hour, whereas with the resources to the previous program, they were doing three to 400 per person per day. So, you know, that ramp up that we can have through the technologies and the machinery will really speed up genetic gain per dollar for the oat breeding program. And that's a really key aspect to the National Oat Breeding Program, isn't it? Harnessing new technology to streamline the plant breeding process. All these new technologies, really what they're doing is making sure that we're effectively playing with a deck of cards that we can see. So if you can imagine playing a poker where you can actually see every card, you're going to have a pretty good chance of getting a really good hand. And that's what the new technologies are offering. We can't see everything, of course, but we can see more than we used to be able to. So by using these technologies, we're very confident that the genetic gain per dollar will increase. And we say that based off the fact that you look at, for example, US corn and how much their genetic gain has gone forward over the last 20 years by deploying these technologies. And we do understand and know that this will happen in Australian oats. So the key outcome in the end for the industry will be around, A, making sure that we understand what the genetic gaps are, that we can make genetic improvements to fill those gaps, and B, we can get those improved varieties to the industry faster. So again, making sure that growers have got new solutions, new tools in their hands sooner. That was Dr Alan Ratty from Intergrain discussing the new direction of the National Oat Breeding Program. I'm Hilary Sims, and thanks for listening.